Jesus promised his disciples in Acts 1.8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Welcome to You Shall Receive Power, and here are your hosts, Etienne McClintock and Colin Hone. Dear listener, greetings and a warm welcome to the program. Glad that you can join us again today as we continue our study of the book, 50 Days Prayers and Devotionals to Prepare for the Latter Rain and Christ's Return. We are looking at day 41, 42, and 43 for this program, where it talks about God's purpose and calling His end-time church, which we say is the Adventist church, into existence. So we're going to look at the identifying marks. And the great thing is, Colin, we are actually building on some of the discussion and the study we had last week. But as we open the Word of God, let's just bow our heads and ask God to lead us in our search for truth out of His Word. Gracious Father in heaven, it's always a blessing to come before you to learn from you, Father. And we want to learn as humble students. And we just invite your Holy Spirit to be present with us, to guide us, and to lead us in the search for truth out of the Scriptures, Father. We know that these are the ones that testify of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And we just want Jesus to be lifted up in all that we do. And as such, we just pray for a fresh anointing of your Holy Spirit. May you guide and lead us. May you give us clear understanding. And also to the listener out there, Father, may you touch their mind even now to comprehend these spiritual truths. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so Eddie, and last time uh, we looked at, you know, a church prophesied to appear at the end time. And we went through uh, the book of Daniel, chapter 2, 7, 8, and 9, you know, where we find the prophecies listing the history of the world from the time of Babylon, the kingdom of Babylon, until Jesus' return. And then we looked at chapter 7 and 8, and we find an important sequence of events related to the church. We looked at Daniel, chapter 7, verse 3 to 10, reveals four nations that Babylon, Meta, Persia, Greece, and Rome. And following Rome, the papal power is described that, that would rule for 1,260 years. And then immediately following the papal Rome's description, there's a judgment described. Mm. And this judgment continues described in verses 13 and 14. We then find the sequence again in verses 25 to 27. And um, as we discovered this, we found that sometime after 1798, that uh, judgment would begin. And we looked at the prophecies of the 70-week prophecy of uh, concerning when Jesus would appear, yes. when he would be baptized in 27 AD, when he would be crucified in 31 AD, when Israel, time of Israel, uh, its time as taking the gospel to the world would be finished and in AD 34 and the stoning of Stephen. But we also looked at this was just part of a longer time prophecy, which yes, was the 2300-day or 2300-year prophecy. And we discovered in... Um, that that began in October 22nd, 1844. Mm. That judgment began sometime after 1798, according to the prophecy in Daniel, and that this judgment was linked to cleansing of the sanctuary because that was the question that was asked. And we looked at the cleansing of the sanctuary was the uh, Day of Atonement, part of the, the Day of Atonement in ancient Israel, when once a year all the sins that have been going into the sanctuary uh, through the blood of the Lamb mm. into the sanctuary, the record of them, was cleansed. Yes. And it was a solemn day of repentance, of putting away sin. And we realized that in Jesus in 1844, as our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary, entered this work of the investigative judgment and the cleansing of sin mm. of heaven, the removal of sin or blotting out of sin, yes. as Peter refers to it in Acts chapter 3. And so... 
we find at the same time in 1844 that there would be a church prophesied to appear at the end time, and this church would preach the three angels' message. There would be identifying marks to to look at this church. One of those we found in Revelation chapter 12 where it says that this last day church, which was a remnant church Mm. or the remaining part of the original church uh, that would appear after 1798, around this 1844 time, uh, out of that great Advent movement, would have these identifying marks. One, they would keep the commandments of God. Mm. Two, they would have the testament of Jesus, which we identified in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10, as having the spirit of prophecy. That's right. It would be a prophetic movement having the spirit of prophecy with them. So it will be a church that has the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and also has the gifts. So it has the fruit of the Spirit and the gift. And it's interesting to know that the devil was enraged with these people who keep the commandments well, of God. Well, it says, yeah, he went to make war on them. Mm. He, he, he hates this, this yeah. last day so movement. So anybody that opposes this message or even opposes the fact that they are going to be a commandment-keeping people in the end days, on whose side are they? Well, they're not on God's side, mm. but there's an opportunity that they can become Amen. on the God's side. Amen. There's hope for everybody. There's hope for, for everybody. But in, in the main purpose was that this, this last day movement that came out of the Advent movement would uh, preach the three angels' message, the everlasting gospel. They would also announce that judgment has begun. Mm. It was a call to true worship, back to keep the commandments of God, including the seventh-day Sabbath, Amen. which was an allusion to, uh, you know, Fear him and give glory to him, worship him who made the heavens, the springs, and the earth, etc. Mm-hmm. So we identified this church also um, would also reveal um, the, what, who the mark of the what the mark of the beast is, who the mm. beast was. They would unpack the book of Daniel would be um, understood. That's right. Because you remember when we look in the book of Daniel, right at the end in chapter twelve, uh, in chapter twelve, verse four. It says, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. And so he says, go your way, but right at the end, it'll be understood. That's right. And so is there somewhere in the book of Revelations that maybe corresponds to that, that says that this book that was sealed, which is saying the book of Daniel was sealed, would be unsealed or open? Look, that is a great question, Colin, and one that the Bible actually gives us very clear answers to. And, Colin, while we are actually in Daniel chapter 12, we may as well stay there, just become familiar with a few verses there, because I want to go to Revelation chapter 10, because Revelation chapter 10 is actually the place where it shows where the little book is now open that used to be closed. And that little book is the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel, yeah, because we want to know about what this end time movement is and what it is that actually caught them or caused them to see this glimpse of the judgment and also what will happen to the judgment because ultimately we've already spoken about Daniel chapter 2 and it talks about all those successive kingdoms starting with the 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 kingdom of Babylon but ultimately the crescendo of all those kingdoms is this little everlasting kingdom that starts with a rock that's cut out without hands and then fills the whole earth mm. that's the everlasting kingdom Daniel chapter 7 brings this everlasting kingdom which is an everlasting dominion given to the son of man during the judgment hour setting so again that is the everlasting kingdom that is the culmination of everything we are studying here And then Daniel chapter 8 tells us when God plans to set up that kingdom because it actually happens through the judgment. Now, we didn't understand any of this. That judgment hour message wasn't understood until 
after the time of the end, which was in 1798. And we get this from Daniel chapter 12. And we're going to read, as you mentioned there, we read verse 4. It says, but you, sh- Daniel, shut up this and seal the book until the time of the end. So the book was to be sealed until the time of the end. And time of the end is 1798. And then it says that subsequent to that time, 1798, many shall run to and fro and knowledge will be increased. So the book will be unsealed after that time period with those running to and fro in the scriptures and also looking at history and knowledge and understanding of the book of Daniel will be increased. And then it says in verse 5, Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others on this river bank and on the other river bank. And the one said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfillment of these wonders be? And when I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the river, he held up his right hand and his left hand. Okay, so he's got two hands up. So pay very attention because we're going to see this again in the book of Revelation. So we're in Daniel chapter 12 now. He holds up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and he swore by him who lives forever that it shall be for time, times, and half a time. So he saw, he lifts up his left hand, he lifts up his right hand, he swears by him who lives forever and ever. So remember that. Left hand, right hand, swear by him forever and ever. What's the time, times, and half a times? What does that mean? Okay, so time is one prophetic year. Times is two prophetic years, and half a time is half a prophetic year. So you've got three and a half years, prophetic years there. Now, if one year is 260 days. 360 Yes, you've got, sorry, 360 days, that's right. Yeah. Then two years will be 720 days, and then a half a year would be 180. So if you add all those together, you've got 1,260 prophetic years. So three and a half times, which is like three and a half uh, uh, years, which would be 1,260 days. That's right. It would be 1,260. We've heard this before, haven't we, Mm -hmm. this this 1,260 years. So thanks, Eddie. I just wanted to clarify that. You know, thank you for clarifying that because that is when the time of the end actually is to start. After this time period Now he swears with his left hand and his right hand up And he swears by him that it shall be for a prophetic time period Now we're going to see that again as we go into the book of Revelation But I just want to go to verse 9 again here So we're still in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 9 And he said Go your way Daniel for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end Now let's go to the book of Revelation because we're going to see the similar symbolism there, and it's going to be fascinating how the two visions actually link. So we're in Revelation chapter 10, and it says there in verse 1, I saw still another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head, and his face was like the sun, and his feet like pillars of fire. So this angel, the word angelos there means messenger, comes down from heaven. I believe it is the messenger of the covenant, which is none other than Jesus Christ. Because you see the rainbow on his head there, and also his face was like the sun, his feet like pillars of fire. It's the same description we see of Jesus in Revelation chapter 1. And then he says, and he had a little book open in his hand. Now, the fact is the book is open now, but it may even signify that previously to that the book was closed. Now, now watch this with attention. He set his foot on the right, his right foot on the sea, and his left foot on the land. And he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. Now, Jesus is known as the lion of the tribe of Israel as well, the tribe of Judah, sorry. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voice. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voice, I was about to write 
But I heard a voice from heaven saying, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So we here we see a sealing up. This is the first and the only sealing up we see in the book of Revelation because Revelation is a book unsealed. It's a revelation. It's, it's not a revealing. Sealing. Yeah, it's a revealing. Mm. Daniel has been sealed. So now all of a sudden we're thinking, now where have we heard this word seal up previously? We just read it in the last chapter of Daniel, Daniel chapter 12, where the book of Daniel was to be sealed up until the time of the end. Now, so he, he cries with a loud voice in verse 3, and then it says in verse 5, The angel who I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised up his hand to heaven. Why does he only raise up one hand to heaven? The, the angel in Daniel chapter 12 raised up his left hand and his right hand, but this angel only ra- raises up one hand. Well, the fact remains is in the other hand is this little book that's now open. So he raises one hand, he keeps his little book in his hand, and then it says he swore by him who lives forever and ever. Now, did the angel or the person we saw in Daniel chapter 12, did he not also swear by him who lives forever and ever? Yes, he did. And it says he, he swore by him who lives forever and ever in verse 6 of Revelation 10, who created the heaven and the things that are in it, the earth and the things that are in it, and the sea and the things that are in it, that there should be time no more. Or as the New King James says, delay no longer. Now, in Daniel chapter 12, the answer is there should be time, times, and half a time. So there's a prophetic time period. That's a 1260 yeah. years. That's right. Now the same angel with one hand up and a little book open in his hand says that there shall be time no more. So what happens is we now see this time period here in Revelation 10 as the end of that prophetic period that we see in Daniel chapter 12. So so that time no longer is that after the 1260 years in 1798? That's right. That is that's this this time this this prophecy begins in 1798 1798. And what is the longest time prophecy in the Bible? Well, it's the 2300 days which runs a little bit longer than that and if you calculate it's about 46 years longer. But it's at this time, after 1798, that the book of Daniel is to be studied and that message is to be taken to the world leading up to the end of the 2300-day prophecy. So it says there that um, he swore by him who made the heavens and the earth, the sea and the things that are in it, uh, that there should be time no more. So in Daniel chapter 12, he spoke about time, times, and half a time. That time has now come to an end. It's so we're talking, this is after, sometime after 1798, it says this little book, talking about the book of Daniel and the prophecies in it, was to be open and to be understood because open. it was to be sealed up to that time. Hmm. Now it's unsealed by the angel. This happens from 1798 onwards, right? So we're going to continue to read verse hmm. 8. Yes, it says, Then the voice which I heard from heaven spoke to me again and said, Go take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel and who stands on the sea and on the earth. So this is the book of Daniel. This is the book of Daniel because that's yep. the only book that would be sealed. And now it's unsealed. The time, the prophetic time for that 1260 days is now over. So, so we've go, discovered that. So he goes to the angel and he said, Give me the little book. Yes. And he said, Me take it and eat it. That's right. So what what is the mean of eating? How does it how do we eat the book of Daniel? Do we physically take the pages, roll them up and put them in our mouth or is it actually by studying it? Yes, yeah, so eat cuz you know, in Jesus said eat take eat this is my body. Yeah. Yes. Do we actually And he says the words that I speak to you they are spirit and they are life. That's when he was actually talking about eating my flesh and drinking my blood. He's actually talking about my doctrine. He's his, his doctrine. That's my right. word, my bread. Yeah. The bread, I am the bread of life. Eat this word. So Amen. so we're to eat it to study it. Absolutely. Yep. Now, interesting, it says it will make your stomach bitter. 
Now, interestingly, mm. the, the, the good news of the gospel is not to make us bitter, it's to make us sweet, but it says it will be as sweet as honey in the mouth. So somehow through the study of the book of Daniel, there was to be a sweet experience, but also a bitter experience. So let's look at it a little further, because he then does exactly what the angel says in verse 10. Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it. It was as sweet as honey in my mouth. So that beauty, when you see the beautiful gospel, the everlasting gospel the first time, you know, and you see that pearl of great price, and it becomes more precious to you than anything else. It is the sweetest of experiences, Colin, and you've in your testimony have shared that, and I can share that in my well, testimony also, as well. We're talking about after 1798, the great Advent movement happened. That's right. That's when they started taking this message of uh, Daniel chapter 8, where it talks about the cleansing of the sanctuary. Mm-hmm. Now, the great Advent movement believed that Jesus was going to come in 1844. Well, exactly. They thought the cleansing of the sanctuary was the cleansing of the sanctuary of of earth yeah, That's right They thought fire. earth was a sanctuary Or at Alep, some part of earth would be the sanctuary There's going to be fire And then Jesus was going to come there And take those people home mm. So they were joyful weren't they Believing that Jesus was coming And this was not just an isolated event It wasn't only isolated to America Because we know that was very prominent By the preaching of a person By the name of Willie Miller And other people Others, Other ministers Wolf and others around the world yeah. Yes There was a guy by the name of Manuel Lacunza He was a Jesuit priest in South America who also studied the book of Daniel at that time. So all these people around the world at the same time, including William Miller and many others around the world, I think there was a, another guy called uh, Wolf as well in Europe yeah, yeah. somewhere. Joseph Wolf, his name was actually Ezra Ben Ezra. He was a converted Jew who also studied the book, book of, of Daniel and started taking this message through the Middle East and even to parts of Asia. So, so all these people in various parts in the world hmm. are opening up the book of Daniel just like Chapter 12 said Absolutely. That, that this book will be uh, read and understand at the end mm-hmm. after 1798, after yeah. that 1260-year prophecy. And even from that land where I hail from with my ancestry, Scotland, you know, in Scotland and England, a Scottish Presbyterian by the name of Edward Irving also preached out of Daniel chapter 8 verse Verse 14, that God would come around that time, around the 1840s. So all these people are proclaiming and studying Daniel and believing that this cleansing of the sanctuary message, right, was judgment, was that the earth was going to be cleansed by fire, that Jesus was going to return. By the second coming of Jesus, yes. They would have been excited. It would have been sweet to the ears. I mean, I've read the history of that, and, and people, like, we're talking hundreds of thousands of people, and who knows how many more, mm. were being reconverted, there was conversions happening. People were surrendering their lives to Jesus. People were preparing for the second coming of Jesus. There was so a great was a, religious awakening. Sounds yes. like a sweet time. It, it also reminds me of, you know, back in the disciples' days. Mm. You know, when they were with Jesus for those three and a half years, the Messiah was here, and they thought that Jesus was going to what? Let's establish his kingdom here on earth. That's what they his thought. kingdom on earth. And so they were building their hopes on that, and it was a sweet time. And then what happened? Well, they were bitterly disappointed. I mean, you can even see that, you know, the walk to Emmaus by those two disciples that Jesus uh, actually uh, meets up with. He In actually, Luke 24, isn't it? Yeah. He actually doesn't reveal himself to them. It's not until later that they actually discuss, discover that. But he actually, when he meets them, he asks them, what are they talking about? And uh, they then say to him, well, we thought that Jesus, the Mas- Jesus, we thought he was the Christ and he would be the one that would deliver Israel. So they have this bitter disappointment. It's not until Jesus then starts with Moses and the prophets and all the prophecies concerning himself that their eyes were finally opened when they are about to partake of the bread. And then they realize that Jesus, the Messiah, was actually risen and it was prophesied that he would actually be killed for their sins. Yes, yeah, so they were bitterly disappointed. We know the disciples were 
what you know and John it says in John 20 they're all you know in the upper room in fear of the Jews mm. you know it, people were weeping there was a lot of disappointment because all their hopes were on Jesus be, you know announcing himself as king and being proclaimed king and then kicking out the Romans and establishing his kingdom here on earth so they're dis- dis- disappointed yeah and so interesting I found though that Jesus gives them a Bible study. <laughs> he does, yeah. In Luke 24, verse 27, he says, you know, 25, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Mm. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter in his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expanded to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So he went right through the whole Bible. Yeah, that's An right. all-day Bible study. And again, he repeats that Bible study to his disciples mm. the, uh, uh, the next day or two. He takes him right through Moses. He would have taken him through the book of Daniel as well and shown him the 70 weeks. Look, Jesus could have taught prophecy. many of those 300-plus prophecies concerning himself. And, of course, the book of Daniel is full of those prophecies about his everlasting kingdom, about him being cut off in the middle of the 70th week in Daniel 9 and so on. So, so, so again, we've come back to the Advent movement. They would have been excited or sweet. They've eaten this book. They've yeah. described that um, you know the 2300 prophecy, 2300 days was coming. They were near there. Mm. It was only a few years away that they believed that Jesus was coming. And that would have been a sweet time. Absolutely. But they were bitterly disappointed, weren't they? Because Jesus did not come Jesus to this earth come. That's right. in 1844. No, he didn't. So what happened? Mm. So we see there in uh, Revelation chapter 10, verse 10, it says, Then I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. But when I had eaten it, my stomach became bitter. So that's that bitter disappointment that you spoke about, Colin. They call it the great disappointment. And you can imagine hundreds of thousands, millions of people. I don't know how many people there were, but there are a lot of people all around the world bitterly disappointed. Mm. And and many of them just gave gave up. But it says a few of them went back to their Bibles. Yeah, that, well, that's right. So what happens is through this, we see the identity of God's people after 1798, a movement that rises up by the studying of the prophecies, particularly the prophecies of Daniel where the book is unsealed. So they're fulfilling uh, Daniel chapter 12 where the, this book is unsealed now. That's right. And it's they're running to and fro and knowledge is being increased in the prophecies and in the Bible. So they're increasing their, their knowledge. Mm. Yep. And then through that, they have this bit of, bit, well, they have the sweet expectation, but in the subsequent to that to have a bitter disappointment the same way the disciples had until the prophecies were actually further clarified and Jesus did that on the way to Emmaus and then of course after that he met with his disciples in the upper room as well and did the same thing with them explained to them concerning the prophecies of himself and then he then he says now go to the world with the with the gospel didn't he that's dead right then. and so what does he say to these people who are who are bitterly disappointed okay in verse 11 of Revelation 10 it says and he said to me you must prophesy again before many peoples nations tongues and kings so then the commission is given there. So we see the identity of God's end time people here, starting in Revelation chapter 10. And then we also see their mission, the same mission that God gave his disciples after explained to them concerning the prophecies, starting with Moses and all the prophets. Mm. Here now, these people are to prophesy again. Now, I want to read another little text. This comes from the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk. You don't hear that one very often these days. No, Habakkuk. And it's not an easy one to find. And just while you're looking up Habakkuk, um, I just find it amazing the parallels there that here they are, the book of Daniel, they're understanding it. They've, they've you know, revealing the 2300 days. They've realized that's 1844. They've got to prophesy again. And, you know, it links back to Revelation 12 that Satan's angry with these people because they've discovered these people of keeping the commandments of God and having the faith of Jesus. Yeah. And they've also discovered 
who the beast is and what the mark of the beast is and a warning message to the world not to receive the mark of the beast. Absolutely. So they've identified who the beast is in mm. Revelations 13. Uh, they've, and they've also given the three angels a message. They're called a judgment, mm. a call back to worship God. Mm. They've got the gift of prophecy amongst them as well. The spirit of prophecy, according to Revelation chapter 19. So quite an amazing time. It is an amazing time. They're actually counteracting the counterfeit. They're actually exposing the lies of the devil because the devil always blends truth and error. So what they're doing is now they're actually sifting and the truth comes out and the dross is then to be blown or scattered well, by the wind. Didn't, didn't there's another part in the prophecy in Daniel that says how long to be trampled on the sanctuary message. Mm. So, you know, the sanctuary message had been trampled on by this beast power for 1260 years. That's right. Everything about it had mm. been counterfeited. So, yeah, what happened in Habakkuk? Okay, so in Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 4, you're going to find this fascinating. We're going to read about three verses there. It says, Then the Lord answered and said to me, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Now, it's interesting that it says in Daniel that in the book will be sealed, but then after the unsealing of the book, people will run to and fro and knowledge will be increased. So we are to run when we, uh, when we have the vision made plain. So when they actually had the bitter disappointment, they started writing out the visions they saw. They made it plain on, on paper, wrote it out, and it started making sense to them. That's when they discovered that the sanctuary is not, this, is not the place on earth. The sanctuary is actually in heaven. And they discovered in the that, Bible, by Bible yeah, study. Yeah, by studying the book of Hebrews in particular, that there's a, there's a heavenly sanctuary. And also Moses was told to make a, make a sanctuary, a tabernacle, based on the pattern that he was shown. Now, the pattern was based on the original. So what we had on earth here was merely the copy. The original was always in heaven. So then it says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it, for the vision is yet for an appointed time. So they're expecting Jesus to come in 1844. Well, he didn't. It's yet for an appointed time. So it's sometime in the future after 1844. But at the end, it will speak. It will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it. And that's why it says, here is the patience of the saints. You know, Revelation chapter 14, verse 12. We've got to patiently wait for it and wait on the Lord. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, right in connection with this vision that they uh, is made plain, that they need to go and prophesy again, as we read in verse 11 of Revelation chapter 10, it says the next message, Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. So those who keep the commandments of God also have the faith of Jesus. So the faith mm. connected to the prophecy is very, very important here in Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 2 to 4. Now coming back to the book of Revelation, so we see the identity of God's people. They are people who studied the book they proclaim the second coming of Jesus Christ. They have a bitter disappointment because Christ hasn't come when they expect. Then they are given their commission, just like the disciples were, to go and take this message. You must prophesy again before many nations, um, people, and tongues, and kings. And they realized that Jesus was actually in the heavenly sanctuary when they went, went back and studied the Bible about the sanctuary and realized that the heavenly sanctuary right, is the true sanctuary. And mm. that's where Jesus had entered into the heavenly sanctuary. And so they realized that Jesus had entered what's called the most holy place in 1844 to do the work of judgment because that's what, that's what the most holy place, Day of Atonement, was. That's was right. to cleanse the sanctuary mm. of sins. And all our sins have been piling up in the sanctuary since, you know, day, the beginning of the world. Mm. And so Jesus now is going to do a work of investigative judgment to cleanse the sanctuary of the record of our sins 
and then he's going to come to claim. And they're going to go and proclaim this message that judgment has begun. Amen. So with those words, we're just going to take a short break and then we'll come back and unpack it a little bit further. Stay tuned. Alfred Nobel in 1866 invented the most stable explosive power known to mankind at that time and he named it dynamite. The word which he borrowed from the Greek word dunamis, which means power. In Romans chapter 1 verse 16, the gospel of Christ is referred to as the dunamis, the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. Yes, the same Greek word used for dynamite. Does the gospel really have that much power? In Romans chapter 1 verse 4, we read that Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with the dunamis power of his resurrection from the dead. The dunamis power of God gives life. You too can have the dunamis, the dynamite power of God in your life. How, may you ask? By faith in the gospel of Christ your Savior. I'm Etienne McClintock for In a Bible Minute, where God can change your life in a moment and in the blink of an eye. Dear listener, welcome back. We were just looking at the identity and also the mission of God's people after 1798, so after the time of the end starts. Now, I want to take you to another verse here in Revelation chapter 11. So the following chapter, the next chapter, and the very last verse is verse 19. Now, as the people were looking at what they thought was the sanctuary, and they had that bitter disappointment because they thought the sanctuary was the earth, these texts became very prominent in their minds, and they started seeing things they hadn't seen before. In verse 19, it says, Then the temple of God was opened in heaven. And they go, Really? There's a sanctuary in heaven? The temple of God was opened in heaven, and the ark of his covenant was seen in his temple. And then it says there were lightnings, noises, thunderings, and a great uh, hail. A great hail. So we can see now they start discovering that the temple is a temple in heaven, and God started the final phase of his, of his ministry, Christ's high priestly ministry in heaven, to prepare the world for Jesus Christ's soon return, to cleanse the sanctuary, and also to receive his kingdoms, and those who make up the subjects of his kingdom, as we read in Daniel chapter 7. Now, their, their mission was that they had to prophesy again before many nations, people, tongues, and kings. In Revelation chapter 14, we see the same movement. It says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach and dwell to those on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. So this message goes to the same group of people as we see in Revelation 10. And so we see then subsequent to that the following um, three angels' messages to prepare for the harvest or the second coming of Christ, where they say, Fear God, give glory to him. So the glory of God is part of this message. For the hour of his judgment has come, October 22, 1844, and a call to worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. So what an amazing time. And, you know, as they studied God's word and prayed together, God revealed to them that Jesus had entered the heavenly sanctuary. And we can find that in. Uh, Hebrews chapter 8, mm. uh, verses 1 to 5, where he talks about Jesus being our high priest who was seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not man. Yes. For every high priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it is necessary that the one also having something to offer. For if he was on earth, if Jesus was on earth, mm. he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer according to law. That's under right, the, the Levitical, Levitical priesthood. That's and right. Jesus came from the tribe of Judah. Mm. Who serve, but here's what it says in verse 5 Who serve the copy and shadow of heavenly things 
as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make a tabernacle, for he said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. mountain. Mm. And then it continues on about the new covenant. Yes. Uh, where he wants to write the law, because the covenant is based on law, on our mind and hearts. Yes. So that brings us to the mission of this last day church is to, you know, God raised up the Adventist church to give the three angels message of Revelation chapter 14 to the well. Mm. That is the mission of the Adventist church. That's right. To prophesy again. And these messages are to warn the world of Christ's soon return and give important biblical insights necessary to be ready for that great event. And the gospel of deliverance from sin is at the heart of each of these three messages. It's the everlasting gospel. And also it is only as one understands and experiences the baptism of the Holy Spirit Mm, and righteous by faith that the full gospel of deliverance can be experienced. The latter rain can be received and individuals can be prepared for Christ's second coming. Hence, the seven-day Adventist movement has been a call to give, the, give this last warning to the world, proclaiming the gospel of deliverance in order to fulfill the mission of warning, preparing the world for Christ's second coming. Yes. See, Jesus came to save us from our sins. Mm, it's the gospel of deliverance. He paid the penalty for our sins and also wants to remove and take our sins away from us. That's right. And then blot them out. According to Peter in Acts chapter 3, he says the sins will be blotted out when the times of refreshing come, mm. which is the latter rain. So by the late 1800s, it seemed the Adventist church had lost sight of what it was to be the heart and soul of a message. Therefore, God sought to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ back to his church in 1888. Mm. And there was a significant event that happened in 1888, which was the General Conference at Minnesota. Minneapolis, yes. Minneapolis, sorry. Mm. Yeah. And... Uh, and he used two men called Jones and Wagner. And this truth was necessary for the church to understand and experience in order to fulfill her God-given purpose and mission to proclaim the three angels' messages in context of the gospel of deliverance from sin. Mm. Because the cleansing of the sanctuary is the removal, deliverance from sin, isn't it? It's the removal and blotting out of sin. That's dead right. And Ellen White, um, who had the gift of prophecy, understood this when she wrote about what happened from 1844 to 1888, she said many had lost sight of Jesus. They needed to have their eyes directed to his divine person, Mm. his merits and his changeless love for the human family. All power is given unto his hands that he may dispense rich gifts unto men, imparting the priceless gift of his own righteousness to the helpless human agent. And that's found in Testimonies to Ministers, page 91 to 92. She wrote that in 1895. Mm. So he, he's saying that they'd lost, they'd lost focus about Jesus wanting to impart his righteousness, not only impute it, but impart it. And what happened is the, the Seventh-day Adventist movement had become so doctrine-focused that Jesus had been lost in our experience and teaching. Mm. Our religion had become somewhat legalistic, which is the sure result of losing sight of Jesus in one's life. Yes, And the church needed to once again understand the work of the Holy Spirit and righteous by faith. And I believe God used Jones and Wagner for this purpose. You can even see in the way sometimes people look at the prophecies. And there's nothing wrong with it per se, but if the focus is slightly wrong, then then you're obviously not getting the the full message. Daniel chapter 2 is not just so much about Nebuchadnezzar and his kingdom and the success of kingdoms. It's about the final kingdom, the everlasting kingdom that God will set up that, that Stone cut out without hands that then fills the whole earth. 
Daniel chapter 7, which is the same time period in that prophecy, is also about the judgment that God sets up to set up that everlasting dominion given to Christ and those everlasting subjects that make up his kingdom and also the process by which the powers of earth are destroyed, including the power of the little horn. That is the focus. It's Christ's kingdom. It's his work of setting that kingdom up. And, of course, the Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14. Well, Christ is our high priest is the one that cleanses the sanctuary. So the focus is on Christ again. Cleansing us from sin. Cleansing us from sin. So the whole focus is actually on Christ and his work and his ministry and his kingdom. It's not so much about what the things that happen here on earth, although they're important for us to understand because God works through those sequence of events. But ultimately it's about Christ, his work now, and also his kingdom to come. That's right, because it talks about in Daniel, doesn't it, about the anointed one mm. being cut off for the transgression of his people. That's right. That was Christ came to pay the penalty for our sins and to live a righteous life that he now wants to him. Not only impute to us, but to impart to us so that we're justified and sanctified. And so the message of righteous by faith comes through loud and clear as one reads um, the writings. Their writings of Wagner and Jones following 1888, this this, uh, conference they had, Ellen White also often wrote on the subject. Mm. And God used the 1888 message to uplift Christ as never before to our denomination. Amen. And Ellen White emphatically supported the teaching on this subject. And I just love this quote. This is what she said the whole message of 1888 and Righteous by Faith was about. She says, The Lord in his great mercy sent a most precious message to his people through elders E.J. Wagner and A.T. Jones. This message was to bring more prominently before the world the uplifted Savior, Mm. the sacrifice for the sins of the whole world. It presented justification through faith in the surety We can have faith in the surety that Christ has died and paid the penalty for our sins. And when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and uh, repent of our sins, those sins are covered and paid for. And we have uh, eternal life and grace given to us. But she goes on and says, It presented justification through faith in the surety. It invited the people to receive the righteousness of Christ, which is made manifest in obedience to all the commandments of God. Amen. And you can see that being linked back to Revelation chapter 14 because the purpose of Revelation 14 is to call God's people to present the everlasting gospel, Mm. which is what Jesus has done for us in paying the penalty for our sins uh, and also what he wants to do through us in restoring us back into the image of God and wanting to write his law on our mind and our hearts Mm. and Christ wanting to live out his life in and through us. So... We can see there that it will be made manifest in obedience to all the commandments of God. And if you read at the end of Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12, it tells of the people giving this message. The result of giving this message is to lead us back to obedience to God's commandments. Absolutely. That's right. So the everlasting gospel's work, including the warning, is a people who actually stand before God, faithful to him and loving God the Father, like Jesus loved his Father, and their fellow man, like Jesus loved his fellow man, which is really the fulfillment of the law. They have their agape love restored to them through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That's right. The law is written on their mind and hearts under the new covenant. It's great New motives, new desires, and a a new nature. The flesh doesn't change, but they are now partakers of the divine nature through the indwelling Christ, which comes by the Holy Spirit. That's right. And so Ellen White clearly pointed out that the reception of the message of this righteous by faith message presented in 1888 would usher in the loud cry, Mm. which were called the latter reign of the Spirit, and would hasten Christ's glorious return. And Ellen White wrote back in 1888, she said that this is the message that God commanded to be given to the world. 
It is the third angel's message mm. found in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6 to 12, which is to be complained with a loud voice. That means it's to go to the world. That's right. In a loud voice. And attended with the outpouring of his spirit in large measure, according to what's called the latter rain. And she goes on to declare that the message of righteous by faith is the message to be claimed with a loud voice, a loud cry, as the latter rain of the Holy Spirit is poured out. As this amazing message of Christ and his righteous began to be proclaimed, Ellen White believed that the loud cry of the third angel had begun. Of this she wrote, The time of test is just upon us, for the loud cry of the third angel has already begun in the revelation of the righteousness of Christ, the sin-pardoning Redeemer. This is the beginning of the light of the angel whose glory shall fill the whole earth. And so this is an amazing message that God's people have been given to take to the world. And so did you notice that Ellen White clearly associated the Holy Spirit with the message? Yes. Of righteous by faith. Mm. That ja- what Jones and Wagner taught. And the work of the Holy Spirit is immeasurably great. This is what she says in the Review and Herald, November 29, 1892. She said, It is from the source that power and efficiency come to the work of a God. And the Holy Spirit is the comforter as the personal presence of Christ to the soul. Mm. And so here she equates receiving the Holy Spirit with receiving the personal presence of Christ in the soul. And this happens through experiencing the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And it's only as Christ lives in the soul that his righteousness can be manifest in our lives. Mm. Hence, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the message of righteous by faith are inseparably linked together. Because if you read John chapter 14, Jesus says, I will come to you and the Father and dwell in not only be with you, will be in you Mm. through the Holy Spirit. Amen. And as Jesus lives in and through us, he will seek to keep the commandments of God in and through us. He will seek to do it. Yeah, it's interesting that the first angel's message says, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is gone. So that giving glory is actually the glory of God's character. They're reflecting God's glory, yeah. Yeah, reflected to the world. So not only in word, but also in, in action. That's true, because Ellen White goes on and explains that the baptism of the Holy Spirit or infilling the Holy Spirit with the earth, being enlightened with the glory of God, is linked to Revelations 18 verse 1, Mm. which is when God's glory lights up this earth, and God's glory is his character. When you read Exodus, uh, Moses said to, to God, show me your glory. That's right. And God said, yeah, I'll show you my glory. And he revealed his character. He said, I'm merciful, gracious. And he goes on, and mm. then he gives them his law. Mm. They're all uh, uh, linked. That's right. And so Ellen White links the baptism of the Holy Spirit, lightning with the glory of God in Revelation 18, verse 1. When, and so let's just read that. It says, After these things I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory. So this is the glory of God that's now illuminating the earth. And he cried mightily with a loud voice and said, Babylon the great has fallen, has fallen, and has become the dwelling place of demons and the prison of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hated bird. So here we repeat Keep going because he says something really, really okay. important after that. It says, For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her, and the merchants of the earth have become rich through the abundance of her luxury. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share in her sins and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. So here we have a repeat 
of the second and third angel's message mm. in Revelation 14, but with power That's right. that goes to the whole world. And it's a call to, for God's people who are in Babylon, in in um, you know, Babylon means confusion, mm. who are part of believing in confusion, to come out of her and don't partake in her sins. And it's a call back to worship God, to keep the commandments of God, Absolutely. to have the faith of Jesus. In contrast, in Revelation 14, where those who follow the beast mm. receive what's called the mark of the beast. And those who receive the mark of the beast receive the seven last plagues, which is what Revelation 18.1 to that's, verse 5 was right. repeating. And so they're lost. So this is a call for God's people in Babylon to come out, mm. be part of this remnant church, to keep the commandments of God, worship him, including the seventh-day Sabbath. That's right. And to have the faith of Jesus. Mm. And so this call calls many people out of Babylon. And uh, we see the earth lightened with the glory of God. We'll see a work similar to that which was wrought when the disciples, filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, mm. proclaimed the power of a risen Savior. And just as the disciples were empowered to do Christ's work, by receiving the baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, so also God's last day remnant people will need to be filled in order to proclaim the third angel's message of Revelation chapter 14 in context of righteous by faith in power. Mm. The early rain baptism of the Holy Spirit must be received, though, in order to benefit from the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. That's right. And that's the process of being transformed into the image of Christ which we can find in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Yeah, by beholding, we are to become changed, aren't we? Into the same image from glory to glory. So glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. God's glory, His yeah. character. So we're changed into God's character by glory, by, by the Spirit. So it's a process. Mm. So don't be like, you know, don't be sort of down and out on yourself if you're not there yet. We're all on a process of Amen. being transformed. And mm. when this time comes, the latter rain will be poured out on those who have gone on this journey um, with yes, Jesus. Yes. And what will happen is they will bring the message of righteous by faith to his people um, in his fullness. Mm. So the grace of the Holy Spirit has been offered you. This is what Ellen White says. I just love this. In Testimonies to Ministers. Do you want to read that, Ellen? Is that page 97? Yeah. Testimony to Ministers, page 97. It says, The grace of the Holy Spirit has been offered to you again and again. Light and power from on high has been shed abundantly in the midst of you. So she's saying that God keeps on bringing the message that we need, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, mm. again and again, but it seems to be ignored. Yes. And um, glorious would have been the result if the Spirit had been received in fullness and the message of righteous by faith had been accepted by God's people following 1888 message. Yeah. We know the third angel's message would have been given in the power of the latter reign of the Spirit. Christ would have been perfectly reflected in the lives of his people. Mm. The loud cry of the of the three angels' message would have gone out to the world in Revelation 18.1. The latter reign of the Spirit would have completed God's work and Christ would have come. And it's also important to note that Jones and Wagner often wrote of the work of the Holy Spirit. For it is through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that victory over sin can happen to the fullest degree since this is the means God has provided for Christ to live in his people. Mm. Remember, Christ in, sin out. out. Yes, amen. That's right. So when one studies... The uh, Ellen White's writings and the spirit of prophecy, it will be seen that her most powerful statements about the work of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit were written from about 1888 onwards. Oh, Quite interesting, isn't it? Mm. And over 127 times she talks about we need the baptism or the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ mm. in us, the hope of glory. 
So I believe that God sought to bring the seven-day Adventist movement to clearly understood and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit and righteous by faith. And as we've seen, this was necessary for the church to fulfill her God-given mission. And that's how it would have been in 1888. But sad mm. to say, it in that's not what happened. No. Uh, Ellen White began realizing that the message was not being received as God intended, and she expressed her great concern. And you want to read what she said about right. the, the rejection of the 188 message of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and righteous by faith. And she says, Neglect this great salvation kept before you for years, despise his glory offer of justification through the blood of Christ and sanctification through the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit, and there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation. So there she says this offer of justification, mm. that we can be justified through the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes. And not only that, we can be sanctified through the cleansing power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And it was a serious mistake for our uh, movement to not take hold of God's sent message to the fullest extent. Mm. And concerning this, she again wrote, again, you want to read that in Letters 96, yes. 1896. Okay, it says, An unwillingness to yield up preconceived opinions and to accept this truth lay at the foundation of a large share of the opposition manifested at Minneapolis against the Lord's messengers given through Brethren Wagner and Jones. The light that is to lighten the whole earth with its glory was resisted, and by the action of our own brethren has been in a great degree kept away from the world. So really our, our people back in 1888 rejected the message. Hmm. And just like Israel, remember God wanted to leave, lead Israel straight into the promised land. Yes. But because of their lack of faith, and God say, saying he was able to do what he was able to do, they did not enter. And they, how long did they have to la- wait? Well, it was another 40 years, wasn't it? Another 40 years. And interesting, um, I've done a bit of a research in the history of this, that in 1888, if you go back another 40, go forward another 40 years, that brings you to 1928. Mm. And I read back what was happening in the history around the movement in 1928. Well, you had World War Two. A World War II was on the horizon. Yes. You had the great stock market crash of 1929. Yeah. You had natural disasters happening around the world. And, and, and so here's the winds of Revelation chapter 7 being released, the mm. winds of strife upon the earth. God's releasing the winds and he's bringing the message of righteous by faith. Yes. Again, uh, people like uh, A.G. Daniels wrote a beautiful book, and I recommend it called Christ Our Righteousness. Yes, that beautiful was around, book. what, 1926 or something he was reading. Yeah. Yes, wrote that book. And also um, you have uh, Leroy Froome at the time wrote a wonderful book called The Coming of Our Comforter, mm. all about our need of the baptism of the Holy Spirit mm. back in uh, around the same time, around the yes. 19, uh, late 1920s, early 30s. So we see God bringing that message again, the baptism of the righteous by faith, which gives us, prepares us to take the loud cry, this three angels' message to the world in power. Yeah. And again, if you go another 40 years, because it didn't happen back then either. No, it didn't, yeah. So God holds back those winds. You go back another 40 years, you see that in the 60s and 70s, there were things happening in the world. We had the uh, Cuban crisis. We had mm. the Cold War of Russia and uh and USA, we nearly the world was nearly on the brink of a World War Three. Yeah, you see uh, the oil crisis of the seventies, stock market crashes happening. You see there were natural disasters happening again mm. more frequently. God's releasing those winds in Revelations chapter seven verse one, and again God raises up different people to write on righteous by faith and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Yes, to His people, but again uh, they didn't receive it. 
and you go another 40 years. Mm. If you go another 40 years, that takes us to 2008. Right. Again, we had that stock market crash of 2007, 2008. Yes. We have, again, uh, the world having natural disasters again. Here we are again today. Mm. Natural disasters happening around the world, frequently increasing. Yeah, we hurricanes see, and fires. We and see that there's tornadoes there's, and yeah, earthquakes. Everywhere. And then mm. you're seeing also there's friction in the nations between Russia and China and and uh, North Korea and the USA and there's there's lot, a lot of yeah, friction uh, in the Middle East and a lot of Iran hap- and yeah happening today yeah. and and you see all the the world is getting more wicked and you see again this message being brought back to his people mm. uh, through many different people are writing on we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit people like Dennis Smith through the forty days yes. people like Helmut Horbill with his steps to personal revival being filled with the Holy Spirit Mark Finley. Ten days in the upper room. Mm. Many books on righteous by faith, and so God's bringing back the message of righteous Amen. by faith, mm. and our need of the baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ in us, the hope of glory, in preparation for the latter rain to give that loud cry. Interesting, Eddie. And as I move around the world, I've been to many countries. I'm seeing God's people receive this message. Amen. I mean, the book steps to personal revival. Six hundred thousand copies mm. have been distributed in the last few years. In uh, like. Over 23 languages. Wow. And every day, thousands more are going out. The 40 Days by Dennis Smith uh, to prepare for the second coming that he writes about righteous by faith and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Over hundreds and hundreds of thousands of copies going worldwide. Mm. And here we are today on the radio preaching the message of the righteous by faith Amen. and baptism of the Holy Spirit through 3ABN Radio. So God is working through many places around the world. And the really good thing is I'm seeing many of God's people are accepting the message. Mm. And people are praying and repenting and praying for the daily baptism of the Holy Spirit of Christ in the hope of glory. Many people are asking Jesus to have the victory over sin to impart his righteousness. So I'm praying that we're not going back into the wilderness, Etienne. I, I agree with you. I think we've been here long enough. But, you know, we, we always say we're waiting for the Lord. But is it possible that the Lord could be waiting for us I believe to receive is. this message, the goodness of salvation through Jesus Christ, his imputed and imparted righteousness? Because, I mean, it's clear from the Bible that through Christ, through that one sacrifice for his life of perfect obedience, we have been both justified and sanctified. Matter of fact, when Christ was raised and glorified, we were glorified with him as well. And we read that in the book of Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, that we can sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It is a truth that is simply waiting for God's people to accept it, and then he will come to claim them as his own. Well, that's been a fascinating study through the book of Daniel and Revelation, and also looking at some of our history in how God has been wanting to present this message to the world, and that the devil, the opposition party, has done its utmost to actually retard and restrain this message from going to the world. But God is now moving on his people, and we believe if the people would only embrace this truth and proclaim it and live it, having Christ within their hope of glory. The whole world will soon be warned to hear this message, and Christ would soon return. So, dear listener, we're just going to break and share our contact details with you, and we'll come back with some closing remark right after this. Thank you for joining us on You Shall Receive Power. If you would like more information about today's program, or if you have any questions, please contact 3ABN Australia Radio by phoning 0249-7334. Or you can send an email to radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. You can also contact us on our 3ABN Australia Radio Facebook page. We look forward to hearing from you. Dear listener, welcome back as we just wrap up this program. 
regarding the identity, mission, and message of God's people and the message that they are to take to the world to illuminate or light the whole world with the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Colin, we just got a couple of minutes left just to wrap this all up. What are your thoughts? Well, 25 years ago I joined this movement Mm. uh, when I studied the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation and realized that uh, this movement is to take the last message to the world. Mm. It's a message of hope. It's a, it's a warning message. It's it a is. message to let the world that judgment has begun, according to the prophetic timeline in Daniel chapter t- uh, 2, 7, 8, and 9. And the messages take the three angels' message, the everlasting gospel to the world. Mm. It's a call to worship God. It's a call back to worship God and to keep the commandments of God. Uh, it's to, to uh, uplift Jesus as our righteousness and as our Lord and Savior. Mm. And it's a message of righteous by faith where Jesus uh, wants to impart his righteousness, which is made manifest in obedience to God's commandments. The commandments of God, yes. And it's a message that uh, regarding being filled with the Holy Spirit to fulfill the message, being daily baptized with the Holy Spirit in preparation for the latter rain of the Holy Spirit, which is the final message to go to the world. Mm. And I just pray that people, as they study this, they will join this movement uh, and uh, give this message and be filled with the Holy Spirit and take this message of the world so Jesus can come home and Amen. take us home. Mm. And dear listener, one of the, th- the things that can probably be uh, one of the biggest enemy, and it's a stealthy enemy, is just a, an indifference and a, a little regard for this message, which is a message of love that God has sent us in warning to prepare for Jesus Christ's soon return. I'm reminded of a message that came from the Second World War by a guy called Martin Niemöller. And he pretty much writes, he says, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. And then they came for me and there was no one left to speak for me. Now, God at the moment is speaking to your hearts. God has sent people out in the world to proclaim the everlasting gospel. He wants you to join that message. But complacency and indifference will actually not help at all. In the time, especially in the times in which we live, leading up to the great crisis, the greatest crisis that the world has ever seen, God is wanting to prepare a people now who have an experimental knowledge of faith that when their crisis comes, even when things are very difficult, they are able to rely on God because they've learned to rely on Him prior to that. So dear listener, we pray that God would bless you and keep you until we meet again at our next program. God bless. been listening to a production of 3ABN Australia Radio.